0: You're listening to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from BIV and BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Welcome to the show. Today we're talking about pathways from disruption to employment. But first, a couple of events I want to mention. On the topic of pathways, many may be wondering what Canada's path forward looks like politically. On November 6th, we host BIV Talks post-election. It's part of our BIV Talks event series presented by the Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association. Our panel of experts may not have all the answers about what's to come politically at the federal level here in Canada, but they are going to do an excellent job of examining the implications of our recent federal election, and that includes looking at some impact areas for businesses. They'll also take a look at what the results mean for British Columbia. If you're interested in that event, you can visit biv.com slash events for more information. You can also join BIV on November 13th as we celebrate BC's top leadership with our annual BC CEO Awards. Six distinguished chief executive officers will be honored at an awards gala where each recipient will share lessons from their time in leadership. For more information, visit biv.com/bc-ceo-awards. We know the way we work is being disrupted by technology, but what's less clear is how societies will manage and cope with the impacts of that disruption. A new report from the Brookfield Institute for Innovation and Entrepreneurship charts possible pathways for workers who will likely be displaced by disruption. Annalise Wynn is a policy analyst and designer with the Brookfield Institute and one of three report co-authors. She joins me on the line today. Annalise, good to have you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I think the report title really says it all. It's called Lost and Found Pathways from Disruption to Employment. In this context, Annalise, what are we losing and what have you tried to find through this report?
1: Right. So I think what the report really tries to address is that we're currently living in a context where I think people are constantly hearing that you need to work on your skills, you need to improve your skills, and you need to develop new ones um, because of potential influences that might cause you to, uh, you know, lose your job or, um, or in a context where you constantly need to move jobs in order to feel valued or to get the pay that you want. But, um, there's, there's really a kind of piece missing where we're, we're, we're trying to understand how is it that people can do this because it's, it's not easy. Um, so there've been a lot of, uh, kind of Tools um, coming out recently, uh, online tools that that are intended to kind of help people understand what skills they have um, and what the opportunities could be. Um, because um, there's such a proliferation of of um, messaging where you know people are saying you need you you might need a new degree, um, but specifically for people who are in mid-career who have been working for a while and who might be struggling with the idea that you know, you have a family and a steady job to, to re-enroll like in or or enroll at all in post-secondary um, to pay that money, to put in that time, to get a new degree without a guarantee of a job at the other end. Um, that's really the problem that we're trying to, to address or, or to at least like offer some insight into in this research.
0: And I know you said there's no one easy you're done solution, but what are some possible pathways or possible solutions to help ease that transition and help it make more sense for people who are facing quite a bit of uncertainty?
1: Yeah. um, So on this side, we are really hoping that um, to speak to the kind of the, the policymaker side, the people who are responsible for creating policies and programs to support people, um, that are that are looking to to make a job transition or or for people that are trying to design services um, to support people that are that are in between jobs or who are looking for employment. Um, and the the key messages that we're really trying to send here are that, you know, you can look at skills. Um, I think we've heard a lot about like, you know, how, how can we get the right data um, to to understand like what skills somebody has and maybe map that to another job they might not have expected. Um and, and one of the things that, that we're really trying to, to make a point of here is that you know you can use data, you can use you know labor market information um to, to understand like that aspect. Um but beyond that there are other things to consider. So um what we've done is we've tried to create a bit of a model that uses existing data to also take into account like not only are certain jobs possible for somebody, so for instance, um, a like somebody working as like a mechanical, uh, sorry, a motor vehicle um, inspector assembler. Um, we we looked into this and, and saw that maybe there might be an opportunity for them to to move into uh, mechanical engineering engineering technologist roles. But even though that pathway might be possible because of like overlapping skills. Um, there, there's still a whole bunch of different factors to consider. So, you know, are mechanical engineering technologist jobs actually growing in that area? So, does that job exist? Is it hiring? Is it locally available? So, can we ensure that people don't have to move across the country in order to be gainfully employed? Um, could that job stick around um, in the future? Um, there was a there was a point I think I hear this example all the time where we uh, you know at one point people were saying we need more um, TV repair people, um, <laughs> and maybe that's not maybe that's not the job that's really as much in demand anymore. Um, but there are so many different factors to consider, and I think what we were trying to do with this model is to say here's a way that you can get some of those answers. But we also have to make the point that people are complicated and and job searching is incredibly complicated. And um, there are so many different things to take into account that like, we can't, as people who might be responsible for influencing um, the design of these types of programs, um, to, to really say that you have to take the whole person into account because
0: everybody's situations are just so different. Absolutely. And it might vary quite significantly at the individual level based on you know, salary might be more important to someone or geography might be more important or the amount of time they'd have to spend retooling and gaining new skills might not be worth you know, finding such a, a certain type of job or something like that. It seems almost impossible to come up with a model that would enable at the individual level people to make very personal decisions. Definitely.
1: Um- so and like this is what we we've tried to to emphasize here is that you know you can use like a, a this data model or or really like find a way to use data as a starting point but you will always get to the point where you can't really serve everyone there is no like one size fits all model like to to give you some examples um you know i i've heard stories of like let's say like friends or, or uh, parents of friends or um, like relatives who are saying, well, you know, I am not happy where I am. Um, I'm not getting paid what I should um, or, you know, who are experiencing um, layoff situations. Personally, my, my mother uh, was employed at Sears and we all know how that went. Right. Um, but people who are saying that, you know, maybe I'll take this Microsoft Word course or maybe I'll go get that certificate. Um, But and that's really like a big investment of of time and money without really knowing what's going to come out the other end. Um, People people look for jobs differently. Um, I like I I come from like a a community of of immigrants and refugees who um, many people have been employed, like, for instance, like in in motor vehicle assembly for a very for many, many years. Um, But, you know, when it came time, for instance, like for the 2008 recession, the first question that people asked weren't, like, it wasn't, what skills do I have and what are the skills adjacencies I can explore to to understand what my next job might be? They looked within their own communities. So, like, how is it that we can, can capture that? And there there's only so much we can do without speaking to people directly.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think we're going to see governments or and or employers absorb some of that risk by funding individuals or supporting them financially so that they can get the skills that very directly relate back to an open position in the market?
1: Um, that is precisely what we are um, hoping to do, like with some of the the messaging that, that we're sharing through this research that, um, you know, if. If we are serious about like helping people um, understand how they can find work, so like not only like you know we're talking like full time work that that hopefully is is meaningful um, where where they can be valued and and you know get enough like get get the right type of pay to support their livelihood and, and their families. That you you know you need to understand what jobs are declining and what jobs are growing. Um, you need to understand. Um, you know how automation might might change the the nature of work and, and what skills people need um, to to survive that. But also, like we need to understand how to support people across. Like, you know, are they are they financially prepared to to embark on a job search that might take a while? Um, are they are they mentally healthy? Are they are they physically healthy? Especially for those people who are experiencing job loss. Um, because that has such a profound effect on on your ability to um to to search um you know are are they facing um barriers around um you know age um we, i had a, a friend's husband who um you know is quite educated but um you know to like had to take a bit of a break from the workforce and you know at age 55 he is fully uh, like recognizing that you know he is very qualified for the jobs that he's looking for, but that a younger candidate would likely be preferred over him. Um, you know, do people have the right credentials? Um, do they do they have the right personal and, and professional networks? Um, and you know, just like physically, are they able to to get to work?
0: Yeah, those are all interesting points. Do you think we have a good sense? of the specific kinds of skills that will be needed? I know there's a lot of talk about, well, we need more tech talent or we need more people who have skills related to coding and technology or STEM fields. But moving mm-hmm. beyond that, do we have a good grasp of what the job market's going to need by way of, say, soft skills or other kinds of skills? Yeah, I mean, I can give you an example.
1: But, but before that, I think, like, something to keep in mind is that, like, Regardless of how, like, there's so much research coming out saying, like, you know, these are the skills that you need. And it's, I think it's important to note that a lot of them are are fairly broad, like being able to interface with technology. Um, and that that's something that we're looking into in, in other research. Um, or, you know, being able to communicate, to have um, kind of customer service skills. And what we're really hoping that this research will be helpful with is to understand, like, for specific sectors or specific uh, uh, industries, um, are there are there important skills that we might not have considered? So, um, one of the pathways that we looked at was um, looking at, at banking clerks, and one of the the big pathways that kind of came out of that was um, sales representatives. Uh, we looked at specifically financial sales representatives, but there's there's a really kind of interesting um, trend coming out of that where um we are partnering with a a, a program um, called pallet, and what they're doing right now is um working with employers to say, you know we suspect that there is a like that there's a skills fit here um so for employers who are hiring for sales representatives, uh, specifically in tech in tech companies, they're saying if we can find you the people with the right skills and they can do the jobs, uh, we want you to leave your hangups at the door. So, you know, regardless of credentials, um, regardless of um, experience in this field, which is often what employers search for, um, if we can prove that people can do this work, um, we want you to consider hiring them. So, and and they're finding people from from everywhere, and like the you know they're they're finding people who are like who are bartenders, um, just you know people from all walks of life who have these really strong customer service and sales skills um, that are being able to be like you know reemployed into into growing jobs
0: mm, What are some other things you'd recommend or the report recommends employers should start doing now so that they can both find the talent that they need today and in the future, but also maybe start changing the processes or their thinking around what you just mentioned, how they even go about sourcing or hiring talent? Yeah. So
1: um, I think like, I have I have a lot of feelings and, and a lot of, like we've looked quite like deeply into like just like hiring processes and, and maybe like what's stopping some people who you know who might have the right skills but just not the right opportunities um to to get some of these jobs. And um there are so many different factors. Like I think a lot of it is I would say that we need to refocus a little bit, like in the hiring process on on, on kind of like these personal narratives. Like I think often when you think about any job search, um, or even like kind of career services, like when people are looking for, for assistance, um, in their job search is that we always kind of start with resumes and that's limiting in a lot of different ways because one, like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm currently employed as a researcher and I don't know, I'm not near any wood right now, but, um, I really hope I, I get to stay uh, in this field for a little while, but to to understand like like my own personal narrative and know how to sell myself is terrifying um, so like the the fact is that like these tools like the online job postings and the resumes like one is that you know online job postings often don't capture every job that's available because like we always hear that like many jobs don't even make it onto the postings because people are, are like would prefer hiring through, um, networks. Um, and there's a very good reason for that. It's just because like, when you like as an employer, when you're trying to find people that might be suitable for work, um, the best way for you to know is, is through recommendations. Um, but that ends up cutting out a lot of people. Um, and you know, if you were to write a resume, if you were limited in any way, like, whether it's, uh, like writing fluency or, um, like, even like the digital literacy skills that it takes you to like, you know, get on a computer, write this, format it, and to know what resumes like on the market currently look like um, are all super limiting. So I think what we've, we've learned a lot through this research is that like employers tend to look for very specific, um, we were kind of call them like signals um, of, of whether somebody is hireable. So that looks like, credentials um you know do 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 people have the the degree in the field that I, where i'm hiring um do people have the right the right professional networks um are they being recommended to me by people that i trust um do they have significant past experience in this in this field um, and i think we're kind of in a period where we're like there there might be opportunities to kind of look beyond that like we're, we're hearing from some companies that, like, they're looking more for growth mindsets, willingness to, to do the work. Um, and I've conducted a lot of different research interviews. And I think from what I've heard so far, it's still really difficult to know. Um, I think the closest thing that, that I've heard is, like, um, more emphasis on, like, probationary periods. So, you know, bringing someone on, even though they might not have everything you're looking for, and just seeing how it works out. Um, but I think that's still a question that's really difficult for people to answer.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I'm curious too what some of the things you'd suggest policymakers consider at this point in time as individuals who potentially have the power to help ease this transition, help employers, help workers. What are some things they should be maybe looking to change, or implement, or consider?
1: Mm-hmm. So I think um, the the primary thing for us is um, first to like kind of look beyond uh, like again, data is a really really great jumping point, and like I can't I, I think I can't emphasize that enough um, because otherwise like the the labor market is so vast, and like so many different people and in different places need support that it, it's hard to know where to start. Um, so I mean that will always help you kind of understand the trends, but I think first and foremost, as well, it's being sure and I know this is happening in, like a, across a lot of different sectors as well, but like um I'm going to say it here again um just because I think it's really important um making sure that policymakers are looped in with the people who who need assistance who are going to be using programs and services um but also with the the service providers that 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 are trying to support people directly um and employers I think one of the challenges to to this problem is that there are so many different groups involved like you're looking at job seekers um you know you could you could help kind of help support them but then on the other side are, are employers willing to hire them and willing to support like places where um there might be gaps in, in skills or knowledge um are are the people that are providing employment services like sending the right messages or, or providing the right supports um Yeah, I think it's it's really just about making sure that those conversations don't stop and that like there are human touch points everywhere throughout the process. Mm -hmm.
0: It's a really interesting report. There's a lot of good information in it and recommendations in it. How do you hope people use the report? If you're, let's say, a worker, how can you use it? An employer, how can you use it? And then a a policymaker interested in affecting change on this topic, how can they use the report?
1: So I think from, like, a policymaker perspective, um, it's a really great opportunity to kind of take a lot of, like, what we've tried to do is, is you know, there's no way that we can capture every single factor, but what are the factors that existing data can tell us right now? So, um, you know, if you were looking at a specific area, um, for instance, we've been talking to a few groups in, in Windsor, um, so, like, First, how could you define an area? But then, like run a mo- like run a data model in a way that would help you understand, like maybe where in this area are jobs declining and where are they growing? And then, um, who are the groups that you would want to help um, to really help focus, like some of the some of the, the policy and program design decisions um, from an employer perspective? Um, there's a really cool opportunity to kind of reverse, like run run the model in reverse. So instead of starting from jobs that are declining starting from jobs that are growing um, and maybe those might be jobs that you're hiring for um, to, to maybe like get some of the unusual aspects out. Like what are some jobs in this area that, that have skills that are similar to the ones that I'm hiring for? And like, what are the, like kind of, what are the specific things around this industry that like where I can support people and maybe help them into the roles that I need? Um, and from a, from a job seekers perspective, I think what like it's not direct with that. That's not our direct audience right now. But I think it's like in many ways, what we're like this research kind of sends a message that, like, we understand that like individual factors and and personal narratives are are such significant. Uh, I guess like are so significant to to job searching and that like we want to tell policymakers that like we want like we see the whole person and we'd really like to find a way to build this into programming which is like a huge challenge
0: but um but it really needs to be done. Annalise a pleasure having you on the show thanks so much for coming on to talk about the report and its research. Thank you for having me that's Annalise Wynn, a policy analyst and designer with the Brookfield Institute and co-author of the report, Lost and Found, Pathways from Disruption to Employment. If you're interested in checking it out, you can find that at brookfieldinstitute.ca. That's it for our show. Thanks for listening to BIV Today. You can get notified of new episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes and Stitcher. All of our episodes are also available at biv.com audio. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back on Monday.